So like Benjamin said, my name is Jake Noyes. I'm the, the new director of small groups. Um, I used to be a pastoral resident here, and so I've, I've had more job titles than most everybody else on staff, so I'm proud of that fact. Um, and I'm glad that you could be here with us this morning. Um, I know it's raining outside, but I hope that you're all excited about the rain. I, there, I know there's a lot of skiers and snowboarders, and like winter coming to an end is a sad thing, but for me it's like golf season's around the corner. Like This is a good time of year. So. Um, I'm really excited. I th- I'm, I'm glad that you guys are here. Thanks for taking time out of your Sundays to join us today. And, and today we, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue in our series on the Holy Spirit. Um, and last week, you know, Josh kind of, kind of prepped us about who the Holy Spirit is and how he manifests himself in our, our lives. And we're going to take a look at some of those gifts today. But before we do that, I just want to share a story about, about uh, my daughter with you. Um, so she is learning to ride her bike, ride a two-wheeler. Uh, and as a father, I have failed her miserably. She is seven years old, and she still had training wheels. And I heard a noise out there. Okay, I know, I know, okay? <laughs> Listen, it's not, it's not my best moment, but we bought her a bike that was too big, right? I, we, saw, we went in, we bought her a bike, it was too big. She could never get going fast enough to stay up on two wheels. So she's been riding with training wheels. We decided last week we were gonna buy her a new bike. We were gonna get her a bike that fit her, um, and, and I took the pedals off and took the training wheels off so that she could kind of stride around and push herself around. And last Sunday was just like one of the most devastating days as a dad because she was so frustrated. She was so aggravated because she just wanted to ride this bike. All she wanted to do was ride this bike and she could not do it. She couldn't do it. And I would tell her, you're gonna get it, you're gonna get it, you're gonna get it. But she, she just couldn't figure it out. Now a week later, she's almost there. She can almost, she's, I'm, we're about ready to put the pedals back on. I don't feel as bad as a failure as I did a week ago. But it was really frustrating for her. And I think that that is how the, the, the study of the Holy Spirit can be for us. It can be really frustrating. Um, it can be frustrating because if we haven't spent a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit or, or examining what He does in our lives, uh, sometimes the way that the Spirit is manifested and the, the desire for these gifts can be frustrating because we don't really know what they look like. We're not prepared for them when they show up. So our hope is, as we go through this study, that you would be open-minded, that you would be prayerful, but also that we can help you identify and recognize the spiritual gifts when they show up in your life. Um, I mentioned last week that Josh was talking about how the Holy Spirit moves in our lives and how he's manifested through spiritual gifts. Um, And he talked about some of those spiritual gifts, right? He talked about um, healing, prophecy, speaking in tongues, teaching. Um, And he talked about how those spiritual gifts are nothing less than God manifesting himself through us. That it's the gifts that are the manifestation of God in his people for his people. And he also talked about how those gifts are for the edification of the church, right? He said, uh, we read in chapter 12, verse seven, that all spiritual gifts are for the common good. And so, that's where we're gonna, we're gonna pick up today, that we're gonna talk about how these spiritual gifts aren't about God moving in my life, right, but how they're God moving in me in other people's lives. In John, uh, that isn't to say that the Holy Spirit doesn't work in my life, right? I wanna make that very clear. In John chapter 15, uh, uh, Jesus says that he is gonna send a helper. He's gonna send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's job is, one of those things is to do, is to guide and to counsel us. But when we're talking specifically about the spiritual gifts, it's not how God is moving in my life, but it's how God is moving in me and through me in someone else's life, right? It's not the Holy Spirit in me, it's like this outpouring of the Holy Spirit through me. 
And so that's, uh, that's where we're going to pick up today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's a blue Bible underneath your chair. You can go ahead and grab that one. We're going to be on page 1061 of that Bible. And if you would, uh, we believe that this book here is uh, God's inspired word, right? We believe that every word on every page was inspired and breathed by him. And so out of reverence for his word, would you please stand with me? And we're going to be in chapter 12. And we're going we're gonna to start in verse 6, though we're going to focus almost exclusively on verse 8 today. So in verse 6 it says, And there are a varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and take a seat. All right, so Paul starts off with the spiritual gifts and this list of spiritual gifts by talking about an utterance of wisdom and an utterance of knowledge. And these two spiritual gifts are really interesting because clearly they are linked. In fact, I would say that when we look at these gifts, sometimes it's really hard to distinguish between the two of them. We, when we think about wisdom, when we think about knowledge, it's hard to know which one we're always talking about. But Paul draws a, a, a distinction between them because he separates them, right? He says wisdom and knowledge. So we know that they're different. We know that they're, they're, they operate independently um, and that these gifts are used for different things, that God uses them in his church for different purposes. Um, it's kind of like the difference between a circular saw, a table saw, and a tile saw, right? To the untrained eye, all of those look the same. They all look very similar, right? But they each have a unique purpose. You wouldn't be able to use a circular saw to cut tile. If you did, you'd break the tile and you'd have shards of glass or stone in your face and it would be awful. Uh, if you tried to use a tile saw to cut wood, you'd have a really sloppy mess and it wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to make it through the wood. And I know that some of you are out there going, everyone knows the difference between a circular saw and a tile saw. That's not true. I happen to know from experience that that isn't the case. So, uh, if my father-in-law were here, he'd be super proud of the fact that I could even stand up here and tell you that those are different saws. So, when it comes to spiritual gifts, it's kind of the same thing, right? It's, it's, we don't always know the difference between them, and we, want, we try and categorically put them into boxes, but, but at the end of the day, it isn't necessarily super important that we know exactly what the gifts are, but that we are trying to identify what the gifts are, and that we're trying to identify and see them in our lives. So the purpose of going through each of the spiritual gifts is to help us recognize them, not to necessarily just focus on the fact that you have a specific gift, because as Paul talks about later, all of the gifts are available to everyone, even though they're manifested differently in each and every single one of us. Um, a couple of other things that I think are important to talk about before we unpack these gifts specifically is that these are the this is the only place that these two gifts are mentioned, right? So that tells us that Paul didn't create an exhaustive list here in 1 Corinthians, right? We know that in Ephesians, he talks about evangelism and he talks about teaching, in Romans, he talks about serving, encouraging, leadership, mercy, right? So these are all additional spiritual gifts. They're not all just here listed in 1 Corinthians. But these are the ones that the, the, the church in Corinth was experiencing, and so that's why he addresses them. But because these are the, this is the only place that these gifts are listed, it's created some debate around them, right? Scholars have asked the question, are these miraculous gifts or are they non-miraculous gifts? 
Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? There's, this, there's a group of, of scholars or people who would say, man, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased to exist after the apostles died in the first, after the first century church. And then there are others who would say, no, 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 all of those, all of those gifts exist, exist today and they continue on. And so when it comes to these gifts, someone who maybe fell into a non-miraculous camp or a cessationist camp would say, well, Paul is putting two non-miraculous gifts in a list of, of miraculous gifts. And if these gifts exist today, they have to be non-miraculous because all of the really miraculous ones have ceased to exist. And then there are the, those in the, the continuous camp, uh, which, which is where I would fall, would say that this entire list is, is uh, miraculous. And that every single uh, every single gift that, that is revealed through the Holy Spirit is in fact a miraculous gift because we believe that all of the gifts are available still today, right? So when we look at this list, I do think that, that what we're going to see is that it, it, these gifts are, uh, these are supernatural gifts, that they are the supernatural manifestation of God. But what I don't want to do is mitigate the fact that, that even when a gift seems small, it isn't the Holy Spirit, Right? We have a, as a church, we have a tendency to try and say, to just focus on certain gifts because they're easier to, to digest. But the reality is, is that we see all of them and we see them in a myriad of ways and we want to be prepared for them when they show up. So, like I said, I'd argue that these are, these are miraculous gifts and that Paul is speaking specifically about the revelation of God. And so let's, let's go ahead and unpack these together. We're going to start with wisdom. And I would define wisdom as a supernatural understanding of the mysteries of God and the gospel. So one more time, a supernatural understanding of the mysteries of God and the gospel. See, the wisdom that Paul is focusing on in this passage is like this supernatural ability of a person to understand God, to understand who God is, what God does, how God operates, and then able to communicate that that they're able to communicate that message and reveal the mystery of the depths of who God is and his plan of salvation and redemption. Paul talks about this uh, in earlier in 1 Corinthians. In chapter 2, uh, verse 6, he says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understand this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we know, or now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given, by, given us by God. In other words, what Paul is saying is that the wisdom of God is not the wisdom of man. It's not the, ruler, the, the wisdom of today's rulers. It's not the wisdom of today's great minds. Because their knowledge passes away, it changes, right? As if we look back at all of the amazing things that we've discovered over the course of history, we will see that it, it, we, we're always changing, right? Science is always changing. But the mysteries of God, the wisdom that he speaks of here, is revealed through the Spirit, and it never changes. It's a wisdom that God has given to us freely. 
And so then when we talk about this gift of wisdom, it's the ability to share uh, the deep mysteries of God. It's the manifestation of the Spirit through a person that allows them to speak openly and clearly about the mysteries of God. It demonstrates the power of God, not of men. Before Paul speaks in this passage, he talks about when he first arrived at the church at Corinth. And what he says is, I came with much fear and trembling, but, by the, but through the power of the Spirit, I was able to speak with wisdom as a demonstration of the power of God, as a demonstration as the power of the Spirit. Many of you guys know that, that I work in insurance. And what that means is I essentially do math all day for a living. Uh, and I hate math. So I studied English. That's what, what I wanted to do was read and write for a living. And that didn't work out super great, right? That's, it's, it's hard to find careers that allow you to do that. And so one day, I'm working on, I have to figure out a long-term disability premium, and all I have is the benefit amount and the invoice. So I have to back out, create this formula to back out and figure out exactly what the premium is. And I know that for some of you, I've already lost you, and that's why I have a job, right? But I spent hours and hours and hours on this formula. Like, I, I cannot figure it out. I have all the information that I need, but I cannot figure out how to get it together so that I can come up with the solution. So I call in one of my coworkers, she comes in, she shows me the formula, it takes 30 seconds, and now I'll never forget how to do that long-term disability premium. But what was important was the application of that information. It didn't matter that I had all of the information available to me, what mattered is that I knew how to apply it so that I could get the right solution. And I think that that's the same thing when we talk about wisdom. It's this ability to have clarity and understanding as it relates to God and his mercy, or his, his mercy and the depths of his wisdom and be able to speak it into some, someone's life. And oftentimes that means that the Holy Spirit is intervening and telling, us before, uh, bef- telling someone before maybe they've even asked the question. Maybe you've experienced this in your life, right? We've, we've all experienced where we've man, said, man, I just... I need some help, and you go and find someone wise, and you ask them for counsel, and they give you this really biblical, God-driven, like Christ-centered advice, right? I believe that that is the work of the Spirit. But I think that there is another gift, right? That there's also this situation where someone says, that, that someone comes up to you and says, man, you know, I was praying the other day, and I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure why, but, but God wanted me to tell you that, that you know, you're not, you're not the Lord of your life, or God is, right? You don't work for a company or organization. You work for God. So just, I, I don't know why, but I just felt like I needed to share that with you, right? This is that supernatural work of the Holy Spirit where it's not information that you've necessarily sought out, but someone was able to counsel and share with you. That's what the gift of the Spirit is. Now, it does sound and look a little bit like Prophecy. Remember I said earlier that sometimes the lines between all the spiritual gifts get a little blurry. But, the, but prophecy is when someone actually comes up to you and says, speaks directly for God. God said this, right? This is a little bit more ambiguous. Um, and it's really the ability to provide guidance and counsel. Um, and it's different from knowledge because, like I said, knowledge is just is the possession of that information. Um, and generally speaking, it's going to be information that has already occurred. So, so let's dive into knowledge real quick. So like I said, knowledge is possession of information that may not have otherwise known except through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. So that's what makes knowledge, the gift of knowledge different than like knowledge of just something, like knowledge of insurance, right? Is that it's, it's this revelation of the Holy Spirit. Again, I believe that this is a supernatural intervention where God reveals something to us, um, but it's something that has already occurred. 
Oftentimes, just like with the word of wisdom, uh, this, this can be confused with prophecy, but generally speaking, this is going to be something that has taken place in the past. Um, there's a good example of this in John chapter 4. So in John chapter 4, Jesus is at, the, at Jacob's well, in, in, and he meets a Samaritan woman. Now at the time, a Jew and a Samaritan wouldn't talk, but Jesus approaches this woman and asks her for a drink. She's caught a little bit off guard, as probably most of us would be in that scenario, given that there's, there's not particularly good relations between the two groups of people. And, and when he asks her for a drink, um, he also goes into talking about how he is the living water, right? And that anyone who drinks from, from the living water will never thirst again. And so she says, I want some of that water. How do I get that water? And Jesus says, go and find your husband. And she says, oh, I'm, I'm not married. And Jesus says, yeah, not only are you not married, but you've been married five times, and the man that you're living with is not your husband. And she says, I perceive that you are a prophet, right? That in this situation, in this scenario, Jesus has never met this woman before. He doesn't know who she is. He, they're complete and total strangers. Yet, in this, yet when he meets her, he's given this, this knowledge about her, who she is, and, the, and who she, her, what her life looks like right now, and it calls her to repentance. As a, as a result, she comes to know and follow Jesus, right? That knowledge is, is what drives and prompts her repentance, and so that is what the gift, of the gift of knowledge looks like. There's another amazing example that comes from the life of, of Charles Spurgeon. Um, we're reading a book by Sam Storn as Lee Steppards. It's called The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts. And um, as an obligation of anybody who preaches at, at uh, Flourishing Grace, we have to mention either Spurgeon or Bonhoeffer in every single sermon. Um, so one day, Spurgeon's preaching. He's standing up here at the pulpit just like I'm doing, and he stops mid-sermon. And he points to a guy in the audience and says, sir, the gloves, that you are, the gloves that you have were stolen from your employer. And you can imagine, right, if I looked down and called Vinny out right now, how uncomfortable all of you are going to be, right? That would make everybody super uncomfortable, and him in particular. But what happens is that man comes up to Spurgeon afterwards, and he, he explains that he had, in fact, stolen the gloves, and he repents for it, Right? So this knowledge is not something that Spurgeon should have had. Spurgeon had no idea that that guy had the gloves, but through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, he was, he, he was told that, that this guy had stolen his gloves, and now the guy came and repented to him and, and, and said, yeah, you know what, I did steal these gloves. And I think that, it's, that there's other ways that knowledge is manifested, and I think that it's maybe not always so dramatic, right? Those are two pretty dramatic examples. Um, and I don't want to mitigate or minimize when he shows up in a small way, because I don't think that we want to miss that, right? I remember uh, when I was in college, I was having a, a debate with one of my roommates. Like a, we, we, we viewed uh, some doctrine different, and when you're 20, that means you argue a lot, right? And so one day, we're sitting in, in uh, our bedroom, because we share a room, which maybe I should have left that detail out, but we, we're sitting in my bedroom, and we're having this conversation. I remember, uh, as we're talking, I suddenly had the, the, the ability to recall specific chapters and verses of several, several books of the Bible. Now, I've always been pretty well-read. My dad was really good about making me read the Bible as a kid and encouraging me to read the Bible. And so I could, I could very easily reason that away. But I can tell you that right now, when I look back at that situation, I didn't have any of those verses memorized. I could not have done that again. And today, I don't even know what verses they were, right? I just remember that I was just like kept spitting verse after verse after verse out. 
And now looking back, I think that that was the Holy Spirit. I think it was the Holy Spirit working in that moment so that I could share the good news uh, with my roommate. And so what we have to ask ourselves is when we, how do we see these gifts or how do we know when we see these gifts um, and, and what do they look like when they're manifested in our lives? And then we have to ask the question or the, the answer to the question is when we ask for them, we have to be ready when they show up and then we have to practice them. Paul tells us uh, in verse 31 of chapter 12 that we should eagerly desire the gifts, that we have to pray that the Spirit would manifest himself in each and every single one of us, and that we would be looking for and trying to identify what our spiritual gifts are, to earnestly want to know what they are, because we all have them, right? Paul said that every single one of us has these spiritual gifts and that they are all for the common good. But we have to be ready when they show up. Sometimes, I think we try to minimize or mitigate those, our spiritual gifts. We try, and, we try and reason them away, right? Like in that scenario with my roommate, I told myself, man, no, I've, I've studied the Word for, for a lot of years. I, I've read my Bible. I know, I know my Bible, but, but I don't know it that well. I, I know that I don't know it that well because I could stand up here today and, and only, you know, have a handful of verses that you all probably know as well. So, we, we try and reason it away. We, want to, we don't want to accept it for what it is. And I think that what we need to realize is that all spiritual gifts except, exist on a scale. In chapter 14, uh, Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that they exist on a scale. What he says is, he's t- he says, I am grateful that I speak in tongues more than you do. Right? He's talking to the people and the, the church at Corinth, and he's grateful that he has this ability to speak more regularly and more frequently in tongues. And what that means is that the gifts don't always look the exact same to me for, as they will in me and, and through you, right? Our gifts don't look the exact same, um, and one might be present in one circumstance and, and present in a totally different one present in, a, in another circumstance. Um, it's a scale. But you have to be ready when they show up, and you have to, be, and you have, to have a desire to exercise them. Uh, many of you know that I, I played baseball uh, growing up. It's, it's ingrained in my family's DNA. My, my brother-in-law still coaches baseball, and, and uh, I was a pitcher, obviously. If you watch baseball, you know what pitchers look like. Uh, so I was a pitcher, and, and one of the ways that pitchers are measured is based on how hard they can throw a baseball, right? It's the velocity of their, of their pitches. Um, and it, like in the major leagues, people throw anywhere from 85 miles an hour to 102 miles an hour. But it doesn't matter if you throw 85 or 102, you can use, you can be an effective pitcher for any team and be successful. But the thing is, if I want to throw harder, right, if I want to increase my velocity, do you guys know what you have to do? Throw. That's the secret. That's the secret to learning to throw harder. You throw more often. If someone wants to go from throwing, throwing 85 miles an hour to 90 miles an hour, or if somebody wants to go from throwing 50 miles an hour to 60 miles an hour, you have to throw a lot. You have to keep throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing hard. And the same thing is true of, of our spiritual gifts. When we talk about wisdom and knowledge, if we want to see God move in these extraordinary ways in our lives and in our church, we have to, we have to test them, we want to see them manifested, and then we have to test them and practice them. We have to be ready and desire that God would show up. And then when the Holy Spirit manifests himself, even if it's in a small way, we have to see if that is the Holy Spirit. We need to tell some about it, right? We have to say, man, God, I want you to, I want you to, 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 to reveal yourself through me, 
right? What is my spiritual gift? And when you show up, I want to be prepared for it. Even though it might be like a 50-mile-an-hour fastball, right? Even though it might be something that seems small at the time, it's still miraculous because it's still the Holy Spirit. It may not be as dramatic as Jesus showing up at the, with the woman at the well. It may not be as dramatic as Spurgeon standing on stage. But that does not mean that it isn't the Holy Spirit. And I think that's one of the issues with how we treat spiritual gifts. We expect these gifts to show up in, in like, spiritually mature people, right? Oh, we, we're going we're gonna to see it in, in a pastor or a, an elder or some, a, a woman who's gone to church for 50 years, right? Those are the people that have spiritual gifts and, see, and are able to use the spiritual gifts. But the reality is that Paul said that it's a manifestation in each and every single one of us. It's not just elders. It's not just, it's not just pastors. It's not just people who have gone to church for 25 years, right? Each and every single follower of Jesus can have the gifts of the Spirit manifest in their life. And so I think for some of us, we have to ask ourselves, why don't we see those gifts? And I think the answer is, is because we don't ask for them. And we don't practice them because we don't actually have an earnest desire for the gifts. We're afraid that we might fail. We're afraid of what others might think if we actually have a gift. And we just ignore it. Right? We have, this, we, we have a prompting and say, man, I don't know why, but I have this person's name in my head and I can't seem to get it out of my head and, and I just, I don't know why, but you know, eh, it's nothing. We don't reach out to that person, but the reality is that could be God at that moment moving in your life and saying, I want you to reach out to that person. You don't know why, but, but I want you to, right? But we just, we just ignore it, and we just, we just reason away. And I don't want to be mistaken, right? When, we say that, when I say that we have to earnestly desire the gifts, that is to say that it is not, you do not own the gifts, what we're saying is that what, when we have a, des, a desire to see God move in extraordinary ways is that we have a desire to have a relationship with Jesus, to walk with the Spirit. That's what we're asking for. Our desire is to see God move in the community for the common good. And so when we do this, what we're actually doing is drawing closer to Jesus, walking faithfully with the Spirit, seeking Him above all else so that it's Him moving in us, Right? The spiritual gifts are a manifestation of him in us. So that, this, so that when we see him move, when he's moving in our community, it's for the edification of the church. It's for the common good. And when we do that, when he shows up, we will have the boldness to share and practice these things. We've been seeking after the gifts in our lives because we've been seeking God to show up in our life. And when they show up, we don't shy away from them, we're not afraid of them, but we embrace them. And we also have to encourage one another. We have to have a desire to see these gifts not only manifested in ourselves, but in each other. That when someone says, hey, I think this might be my spiritual gift, that you're gonna say, I'm gonna pray for that person and you're gonna encourage them to test it. Because I believe, I believe that when we do this, we will see God move in miraculous ways in our church and in our community. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, we come before you in in desperate need of you. And God, I pray that we would draw close to you 
that, we would, that your spirit would be upon each and every single person in this room, that you would be moving and working in the people of South Davis County, and that we would, we would earnestly desire to know who you are, and that we would earnestly desire to see you work in our community, to see you work in our church, to see you change the lives of those around us. And God, I pray that your gifts would be evident in our life. And that it wouldn't be about seeking the gifts, but seeking a relationship with you so that those gifts are manifested, Lord. And we say these things humbly in your name. Amen.